week, yes. Are you ready for some football? Let's talk about movies. I watched The Other Guys last night. I remembered it being very good, but it was great in its second viewing. Oh, how are more people not talking about this movie? I know it was released five years ago, but thinking back to when it was released, I didn't hear a lot of buzz about the other guys, but this is one of the great comedies of our time. I have to put it right up there with Super Troopers, Old School, Wedding Crashers, Zoolander, The Hangover, Van Wilder. It's up there. It's up there with those movies. Rob Riggle's in it. Will Ferrell is featured in it. It's incredible. Samuel L. Jackson and The Rock both jump off a building to their death. Spoiler alert, Rob Riggle's character convinces Will Ferrell that every detective eventually must go through a rite of passage which entails shooting their gun in the building. Call it an office pop. And they convince Will Ferrell that it's a good idea to shoot his gun at the ceiling. Everyone has to break their office pop cherry. Pop the pop cherry. Will Ferrell takes his gun out, shoots it at the ceiling. Everybody runs and dives under their desks. They can't believe that he did it. It's incredible. At one point, they're on the radio, and they're calling for backup, and they describe the car they're driving as a cocaine-covered car because at one point, Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell were driving a cocaine-covered car, and it was magical. Great movie. There was... An exchange between the Will Ferrell character and the Mark Wahlberg character. They were partners. That was one of the best exchanges I'd ever heard. And then I later learned that this exchange was improvised by Will Ferrell. And I would argue that this particular exchange best exemplifies Will Ferrell's genius. So they're partners. And Mark Wahlberg explains that he's a lion and that Will Ferrell's more like a tuna. And that if they were both released in the wild, he, the lion, would eat the tuna. Mark Wahlberg's tougher than Will Ferrell. That was the point. And Will Ferrell's character objected, and he said as follows. Okay, first off, a lion? Swimming in the ocean? Lions don't even like water. If you place it near a river or some sort of fresh water source, that might make sense. But you find yourself in an ocean with a 20-foot wave? I'm assuming it's off the coast of South Africa, coming up against a full-grown 800-pound tuna with 20 or 30 of his tuna friends? You lose that battle. You lose that battle nine times out of ten. And guess what? You've wandered into our school, our tuna, and now we have a taste for blood. Lion blood. And we've talked to ourselves. We've communicated and said, you know what? Lion blood tastes good. Let's go get some more lion. So we develop a system. We establish a beachhead and aggressively hunt you and your family. We will corner you and your pride and your children and your offspring. Mark Wahlberg's character says, well, how are you going to do that? Will Ferrell goes on improvising. We will construct a series of breathing apparatus with kelp. We will be able to trap a certain amount of oxygen. It's not going to last for days at a time, but hour, hour 45, no problem. That will give us enough time to figure out where you live, go back to the sea, get more oxygen, and stalk you. You just lost at your own game. You are outgunned and outmanned. <laughs> I read that! Will Farrell was speaking extemporaneously on set. Think about that for a second. This guy is a genius. The other guy is so good. 
Speaking of the other guys, I've got a guy, my good friend, Real Talk Raph. He is joining me on the Roto Underworld program. Follow him at Real Talk Raph. Welcome to the Roto Underworld radio program, Real Talk Raph. He is the host of the Roto Baller podcast. Go to rotoballer.com and you'll see the Roto Baller radio podcast featured section in the top right. He's also the host of the Roto Baller radio show on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Listen to him Saturdays and Sundays, 5 to 8 p.m. Real Talk Raph, talk to me. What up? This is an honor. I would say a little bit of a long time in the in the making in the coming, but you and I have done some work together live on Sirius XM. So this is kind of like you know easy peasy compared to that live radio stuff. Although nothing with you is ever too easy peasy. You got to be on your p's and q's with Matt Kelly. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. <laughs> exactly. We do shows on Sirius XM radio sometimes. I think I am the first out of the bullpen backup yes. analyst if and when they need one i am here to uh, fly into the city and join <laughs> real talk raf in the sirius xm satellite radio studios happy to do it love live radio i've been on a couple times with you and now you're on with me so typically i'm in the analyst chair you're in the host chair this is the first time the roles have been reversed so let's yes. just talk about 2016 let's get right into it how did your teams do in 2016? Let's just take a step all the way back. How did your mm. teams do, Raph? Just how'd you, how'd you do? How Fantasy were you? Fantasy football time machine. You know what? It wasn't a championship season for me. I actually won 0.0, .0 of my leagues. I played in 11, which is a decent amount, I think. Uh, shared a couple with uh, a Rotoballer co-founder, Uncle Leo, my brother. Made the playoffs uh, in 7 of 11 of those, of those and I had two second place finishes so you know what man this year was like one of those leagues was a rebuilding season uh i definitely wanted to just go ahead and dynasty rebuild i had won the league and then come in second place last year so i guess that one was just take it off the table but listen man you can't win them every year how, how about you bro how many championships a couple oh, the league you. we're in together i ended up winning which you project, you predicted to me. You you humbly <laughs> told me you were going to win that league, and look at the self fulfilling prophecy coming true. That was the only league I deserved to win. The other championships were completely undeserved. These teams <laughs> lucked their way into the playoffs, and then they got hot. I had no business being in the playoffs in the Roto Underworld redraft league in particular. But there were some int one team didn't know they didn't have a buy, benched oh. all their players as a joke and that was the only reason i advanced so that was embarrassing for that owner but shame on them i didn't say shame on them i felt bad for them and typically when you're the administrator of a league you know what's going to happen that person is going to have an outcry and revolt against the administrative no. entity right yeah. and this is every commissioner's nightmare is something like that unfolding you didn't tell me that i didn't have a buy or the computer said i had a buy and this is unfair you need to allow me to advance anyway make an exception for me you know how it goes and so i was dreading that email to the whole league creating extra work for me this guy didn't do it this guy is a fan of roto underworld radio and he just took it he just said you know what I fucked up, and I lost, and I'm moving on. I'm proud he of him. He just had a stiff upper lip. There's nothing more impressive in fantasy football than a stiff upper lip 
one of the few fantasy footballers that's not going to whine and cry when something like that happens to them. So cap tip to the guy that benched all his players in the Roto Underworld Radio Redraft League. So I did great. So my question is, are you going to retire the Twitter handle, the Twitter name, Rafstradamus? <laughs> <laughs> if your teams aren't winning. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting hot topic between the two of us. You know what's what's actually funny is my real Twitter handle is Real Talk Raf. But at some point this season, because no one is kind enough to give me a nickname, even though I have nicknames for everyone, I had to give myself Real Talk Raf like a decade ago before I was even in this industry. And then I said, let me troll the fantasy football industry a little bit. Let me. And I thought you can't make Nostradamus work that well with too many names, but I have the Raf. So I was like, Raf plus Nostradamus, Raf Stradamus. You know, for me, Matt, it's more of a trolling. And I, I don't know if I've said that to you, but it's hard to predict anything in fantasy sports. And then fantasy football takes it to a whole nother level. You, I know, pride yourself on being able to see the future. You look into the Matt Kelly ball and things just start popping out. And you're right a lot of the times. But I have found consuming as a fan for many years before I was an analyst and then being an analyst – the mind-boggling amounts of information that you try to expel and give good advice on, it just has a low percentage of return a lot of the times. So for me, Rapsterdamus is trolling the whole prediction industry. That's a good spin. <laughs> I understand the Rotoballer PR department gave you that line. But you're not Rapsterdamus. You can't predict the future. I objected to this all year. I was sending you so many direct messages asking you to make this exact prediction for me. But I will give you credit for knowing that it's impossible to predict anything with any kind of absolute certainty. That we're talking about probabilities defining possibilities. I think you understand that. I understand that. This is a playful name. This is yes. not a serious name, Rastradamus, so I will allow you to keep it. <laughs> okay. it. I will no longer object to this Twitter name. But let's continue on under the assumption that you can predict the future. And if you could predict the future, get out your crystal ball. Okay, hold on. Give me your hottest way too early take for 2017. Oh, man. I'm going to push a nerve or two here, and I don't give – Two S's, all right? And I'm just going to say two things right Wait, now. What's two S's? What is that? All right, mean? well, first, I don't give two shits. If yes, we can curse. I can do whatever I want. Playerprofiler.com. I own the website. I run the <laughs> podcast. I do all of this so we can say whatever fucking words come to our fucking minds at any fucking oh. time. So no more S's. That's offensive to me. Say shit. Okay, good. Because you know what? I forget we're not doing a family-friendly show right now on air. All right, listen. Giving two shits Fuck the man. aside, Malcolm Mitchell, your boy in New England, will be the top fantasy receiver on the Patriots next season. And let me follow that up by telling you that the beleaguered fa uh, fantasy owner hating Devontae Booker will outscore C.J. Anderson in fantasy points in 2017. Neither one of those are far-fetched takes. Oh, I Not thought to me, to the rest of the fantasy community, the Malcolm Mitchell take is very hot. I don't think the Devontae Booker take is very hot. I think that the enthusiasm around C.J. Anderson has cooled. I think people have seen now, oh, wait, 
This guy's been in the league now three, four years, and he has one eight-game stretch of efficient <laughs> running of the football. So I'm not so sure that anyone would object to rating Devontae Booker ahead of C.J. Anderson in 2017 because Devontae Booker is better out of the backfield in the passing game in particular, and that's where a lot of the fantasy points come from as most of us are now in PPR leagues. Malcolm Mitchell looks a lot like some combination of Reggie Wayne and Jeremy Macklin and Julian Edelman was surprisingly inefficient last year in the past Julian Edelman had racked up those those yards and touchdowns on a lot of receptions but this past year the touchdowns weren't there there weren't as many yards per reception and per target so when you look at the advanced efficiency metrics on Julian Edelman even though you couldn't see it with your eyes, he looked like the same player. Yards per target, down under 7. 6.9 yards per target was Julian Edelman's lowest of his career by far, number 72 in the NFL. And when you compared his per-target production to the other receivers in the Patriots passing game, he was giving you the least with yeah. the most. Negative 31.7 target premium. That's outside the top 100. So his age is starting to show in the advanced efficiency metrics. And Malcolm Mitchell is coming. When Malcolm Mitchell's healthy, he's a starter in that offense. And he's one of Brady's favorite targets. Now, give them a full offseason to develop additional rapport. And also give Julian Edelman another year to party with... Victoria's Secret Playmates, he's 31 years old to start next season. Malcolm Mitchell's in his prime. Malcolm Mitchell is bigger and equally as athletic. That's a great take. Well, I appreciate that. Look, I just, first of all, and I see the Reggie Wayne comp on playerprofiler.com, and, you know, until I didn't see that in writing, I was like, it struck me. I was like, holy shit, that is Reggie Wayne. Dude, the red zone targets are going to be there for him. Every time he played, and I watched a lot of those Patriots games, Malcolm Mitchell was getting targeted in the red zone, even if he wasn't catching those touchdowns. What that tells me is Tom Brady already sees this guy as being a reliable target for him long term. And since Tom Brady hasn't shown an iota of skill diminishment, of erosion of skill, why would we not think that he's going to play at the same high level? Meaning this guy turns wide receivers into superstars every single year, every single few years as a new guy. I think Malcolm Mitchell's that guy right now. I think they're going to move Julian Edelman further and further inside. He's going to become more like a Danny Amendola slot specialist in 2017. No one wants to hear that. But Chris Hogan and Malcolm Mitchell need to be targeted in that passing game, and it will come at the expense of Julian Edelman in 2017. So Julian Edelman is one of the great sells heading into 2017 for me, which dovetails nicely with a buy on Malcolm Mitchell staying with the Patriots. Yeah. They're playing this weekend. Oh, yeah, that's right. So <laughs> that's happening. Are they going to miss the Vodka Centaur? Oh, first of all. First of all, they're in the Super Bowl so often it's become mundane. That's the first thing. Second of all, you invented the best nickname ever for any player in any sport. <laughs> Better than the Greek freak for Giannis Antetokounmpo in the NBA. Better than the big hurt for Frank Thomas in baseball. You invented the vodka centaur, which as you know, I memed, I promoted, I gave you street cred and shout outs for a million times. Even when people told me it wasn't that funny, I said, you're wrong. It's fucking hilarious. 
So, yes, they're going to miss the vodka centaur. Um, he's not going to miss consuming gallons of vodka while he watches the Patriots play. But what's interesting is I've read articles, Matt, that said he should be traded, that this is it, that he's past his prime. Now, you and I had this discussion before the season started, and I know I was extremely low on being him being a late first round, early second round pick. And I referenced a lot of things, including injury history. And I think you kind of agreed. Are you in the same boat? Are you just have you had had enough of this act here? I mean, he's elite when he plays, but come on now. No, no. I try to be hyper rational with my players and discount players that are blatantly overvalued, like Rob Gronkowski has been in both Dynasty and Redraft for many years. Yes. But I'm also excited when my fades come to fruition. <laughs> because I know that these fades can become buys very quickly. If you're the first person to start selling and then the crowd gets behind you and everyone's selling, you can also be the first person to pivot, to turn around and be the one that's buying from all the sellers that you yourself provoked. And that's what I want to do with Rob Gronkowski. Mm. Finally, finally. Maybe there's a chance after all these years that I haven't been able to ever get my hands on a Rob Gronkowski because he's been ridiculously expensive, overpriced. We may have a situation, and it's exciting, that I could actually buy Rob Gronkowski at a value in 2017. I can't wait for this opportunity. Please cross Rob Gronkowski off your list. <laughs> <laughs> label him a stay away player in fantasy football let him leak into those middle rounds and i will gobble up all of it he's injury prone you don't want any part of this guy except we talked about julian edelman's target premium being league bottom rob gronkowski's plus 39.4 target premium was near the top of the league number three among tight ends yards per target Compared to Julian Edelman, 14.2 for Rob Gronkowski, 6.9 for Julian Edelman. More than twice Julian Edelman's yards per target for Rob Gronkowski in 2016. That was number one in the NFL. So if the back checks out and the word out of New England is that he's 100%, I'm on board as long as I don't have to forego an elite wide receiver in order to draft him it shows tremendous discipline on the side of the patriots and in the frat boy himself rob gronkowski to not force his way back into the super bowl i really think i actually admire the whole thing there and so it makes me feel more comfortable that they are looking at this more as a long-term you know prospect so Listen, my question to you is, is he going to fall outside of the third round? I still think when I play in quote-unquote expert leagues next year, they're going to be reaching for Gronk in the late second, early third round. I really do. The fantasy community can always be counted on for one thing. Always. <laughs> Without exception. And this would be an exception. Overreacting to a history of injury. Yeah. This happens all the time. This is why you could get Julio Jones outside the first round just a couple of years ago because he has these chronic foot problems and they're never going away until they do. And Rob Gronkowski is going to have chronic back problems until he doesn't. So I'm just using this as a buying opportunity. I'm thinking Rob Gronkowski is going to leak into the fifth and sixth rounds in 2017 Ooh. because the perception is that he simply can't stay healthy. Yeah, you know what? If that's the case, 
and I agree with you. I've never owned Gronkowski. Me either. I would consider the Vodka Centaur as a buy in the fifth round next year. I would. I want Absolutely. him. I mean, I, I'd love to have him. Who wouldn't want to have a Centaur? I mean, the guy <laughs> has four horse legs, so he's strong <laughs> as a horse, but he also has a human upper body and torso, and he's an archer, so he could shoot arrows in all directions. If he was a Rambo archer, he would have grenade-tipped arrows. I mean, this is an exciting athlete. This is who I want on my team. Just not the fucking first round! Jesus oh, Christ! Do you want to make a side bet right now that when Sirius XM and or another industry draft happens, that Gronkowski still goes in the late first or early second round? These no, quote-unquote no, experts, no, no, they, no. they love it. They no, want to make the splash. No, they won't. Oh, no, he won't okay. go in the first three rounds. It's not okay. going to happen. Okay, good. Well, in that case, um, I'll be looking for that because, again, I don't usually draft tight ends early. We talk about zero this, zero that. I go zero tight end. Oh, yeah. But it's going to be hard to resist that low-hanging fifth-round fruit of the Vodka Centaur. So we'll see. No, that is. That would be the exception for me. And zero tight end is the original zero, I think. Yeah. I think that was the first zero ever invented was zero tight end because get the hell out of here with your tight ends. Exactly. Yeah, well, listen. At the end of the day, when three years ago Jordan Reed was a late-round pick, when you're getting Antonio Gates coming off of his uh, – career-extending uh, gummies suspension, and all these values that you can always get year after year, the Zach Millers of a couple years ago, why would you draft a tight end early except a guy who's a downfield threat who can score 15 touchdowns with his eyes closed? Yeah, I, I can make an exception for Rob Gronkowski. That's pretty straightforward in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. Yeah, I talked earlier in a previous show about Trey Mason and how before Trey Mason experienced off-the-field issues, uh, emotional instability, he was usurped by a surprise draft pick in Todd Gurley. No one, no one, zero. And I mean, zero as in zero. The number zero, the exact number was zero. Draft Knicks that mocked Todd Gurley to the LA Rams. And in early MFLs in February, a couple of years ago, Trey Mason was a third and fourth round pick. So he was the most heavily impacted player by an NFL draft in some time. So who is the running back this year that a lot of people like heading into 2017 who is most in danger of losing his job via free agency or via the NFL draft? So the pro the only problem I have with that question is I have three, four guys who I feel could be usurped. I don't know if they are targeting, you know, players that are being targeted per se or high upside. In fact, even Trey Mason, I don't feel like the, the full breakout had been there. I just feel like the hype train had been building. But now I'm gonna throw out a few guys here, veterans, some of them, one of them young, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just make a case for them basically never reaching their value for 2017. Let's start off with the grizzled veteran Jonathan Stewart. Because if the Panthers do draft Dalvin Cook, it's a wrap over there for him. It's it's just a quick and utter wrap. And I don't even think that's a run for his team, but nevertheless. Now, then you look at the Jets situation. Forte is in shambles, had his knee scope. Bilal Powell, who's an up-and-coming PPR threat, is going to be in tremendous trouble. He will starve fantasy-wise if my New York Jets happen to be smart enough to take a guy like Fournette. I mean, do you think, first of all, and there's a couple others, because Doug These Martin and Charles not, Sims, yeah. the, I'm not thinking about the mid-tier running backs. Jonathan Stewart was bottom 10 in the NFL in yards per touch. He's going to be 30 years old. No football fan in America 
thinks of Bilal Powell as an every-down primary back. I'm talking about a player that people are legitimately excited about heading into 2017 that you think could have the rug pulled out from under them. I think Wendell Smallwood's in big trouble. He was a Jesus a, a, Christ, that doesn't count. No one even knows who talk, Wendell Smallwood is. Talk I'm to talking people about someone like Jay Ajayi. Okay. If Jay talk- Ajayi isn't yeah. safe, Raph. He's Kenyon not. Drake. Kenyon Drake is coming. And I, you know what it is? My, my No, I'm not talking about Kenyon Drake. I'm Damian talking about them drafting Leonard Fournette. Okay. I think the Jets are going to take Leonard Fournette so much to the point where I don't even think that that's a possibility. Then Dalvin Cook then. Okay. If you want to play you that hypothetical. this question? Okay. Why, why would you see a team that put up a rusher who had multiple 200-yard games, who's a workhorse back, even with two creaky knees, why would he be so far out front in terms of losing his job, especially when you already saw Damian Williams get work? Kenyon Drake was a hyped rookie coming into this year. I don't think they're going to now bring in another guy, even with Williams departs, that it was going to usurp a guy who was successful, who was a top-end running back in the NFL. I just don't see that. What I about Amir wrong. Abdullah? Okay, that could be an issue. And it's sad because Amir Abdullah has so much potential. And when he started this season, there was so much goodwill. And I got him in several leagues. Theo Riddick PPR gold and his 80-something balls two years ago. But yes, that could be an issue because the Detroit Lions have a lot. What they don't have is a stable workhorse running back. And that could be an issue because Abdullah is a glass doll. And he hasn't stayed healthy for one second in the NFL. People are, and me included, legitimately enthusiastic about Amir Abdullah, particularly in Dynasty Leagues. We have Amir Abdullah in our Dynasty rankings in the top 20. Go to playerprofiler.com forward slash player dash rankings to see our updated Dynasty rankings because he's 23 years old, 6.1 yards per carry at Nebraska, 37.1% dominator rating at Nebraska, 80th percentile. If you get 80th percentile or above dominator rating at a major conference school, you're an impressive and prolific running back in college. That's what Amir Abdullah was. And now you give him a 138.7, 98th percentile Spark X score. He's an incredible athlete. It's exciting. Theo Riddick was one of, if not the best satellite back in the NFL last year. So if the Detroit Lions draft Dalvin Cook, that would double nuke two important key fantasy assets in both redraft and dynasty. That could do the most damage. Dalvin Cook going to Detroit could have the most collateral fantasy damage because you still have people that are also Zach Zenner truthers out there. This would be just... It would be a holocaust of fantasy value if Dalvin Cook went to Detroit, but it's something that we could easily imagine in our mind's eye. Now, looking at wide receivers, there are some wide receivers that people are getting excited about, but I don't want to necessarily pick one of them, one of the obvious candidates. Okay, I, have to, I feel like I have to walk you through these questions now. Oh, boy. I need a sleeper, and a sleeper means, Raph, just so you know, a sleeper is someone that you draft outside round 8 through 10. Once you have your starting roster locked in in a traditional draft, a sleeper is someone that you would draft after you draft your starting lineup, someone for your bench that you think could emerge and ascend and become an every-week fantasy starter. Who is your favorite way-too-early wide receiver sleeper for 2017? So I'm going to give you the high-level one, and then I'm going to give you a couple of deeper, deeper. 
I'm going to avoid the Malcolm Mitchell talk. Not deep enough for you. Robbie Anderson. You already talked about Malcolm Mitchell. What are you Robbie gonna do? What Anderson. Are you gonna going repeat with Malcolm Mitchell? Uh, he was on my list. But listen, six foot three, fast. Great metrics. You look at playerprofiler.com, shameless plug, Robbie Anderson putting in work. Good rapport with the second team of quarterbacks because that's where he was and practiced with all season long. And it bore fruit when the time came. So I think that this guy, at least in PPR leagues, should be a target threat. Now, you want to go a little deeper than that. Okay, I'm going to drop a name on you guys. Deeper Cody Core. Bobby Anderson? Cody Core, baby, should replace Brandon LaFell, six foot three, two hundred five, out of Mississippi. Not a stud yet, but could get an opportunity next year. I like Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson had a well above average college dominator. Just he did it at Temple where yeah. no one was watching. 10 16, 78th percentile catch radius on playerprofiler.com. This is a guy that has the size. I just don't believe that Robbie Anderson has the body mass to be an every down starter in the NFL level. He's at 6'3, 190. One of the lowest BMI wide receivers we have. He and Tajay Sharp are going to be interesting case studies in 2017 to see if these hyper-svelte wide receivers can have success outside a situational role. So if Brandon Marshall's gone, Robbie Anderson has a chance to ascend to a primary wide receiver status as well as... Quincy Anunua. If I had to pick between Robbie Anderson and Quincy Anunua, I would pick Quincy Anunua because he has the size. However, Robbie Anderson has the ability to play outside. Quincy Anunua played predominantly in the slot. Over 50% of his snaps were out of the slot. Where does Eric Decker like to play? Out of the slot. So you have two slot receivers and Robbie Anderson. It's going to be interesting to see how those roles shake out in New York, assuming Brandon Marshall's gone. Cody Core, I don't yeah. see how Andy Dalton can support three fantasy-relevant wide receivers because there's no way you can convince me Cody Core is better than Tyler Boyd. No, he's not, but the size matters, no pun intended, and at some point, if there's an injury or there's a change in philosophy there, because look, Gio Bernard, you know, banged up. There's a lot of things. Jeremy Hill, not the most efficient running back. I just feel like, you know, the red rifle turned into the red pea shooter at some point this year. But he is a passing quarterback. And that team is built to pass. So, in reality, it's going to take some injury. But like I said, that's a super deep sleeper. What about Kevin White? What about the long forgotten about Kevin White? I know your boy there is is emerged. He has emerged. But Alshon's going to be gone. And they do need a couple of wide receivers. You never know with Kevin White. So I'm not targeting these guys. You never know with Kevin White. This is where we are with Kevin White. I love this is where we've arrived with (laughs) Kevin White. This was the seventh overall pick a couple years ago. This is all you need to know about Kevin White. And now on a fantasy football podcast, he's in the you never know sleeper category. Grotesque. After Cody Core. No, yeah. let's talk about Cody Core first. And if we make if we have time, then we'll talk about Kevin White. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin White, he's a bust. Big time. I like Brashad Perriman, though, from that same draft class, first-round pick. Kevin White's best comparable player, Brashad Perriman. Brashad Perriman's best comparable player is Kevin White. The only difference is, in college, Brashad Perriman was a proper outside receiver, posting a yards per reception over 20 
Whereas Kevin White was a compiler, yards per reception around 13, just taking those short passes and trying to get upfield, never had to develop the skills of a proper outside wide receiver in the NFL, and you saw what happened in Chicago this year where Kevin White had the lowest yards per target in the history of the playerprofiler.com database. Now, glance over at Brashad Perriman, very different player. Whenever the ball was thrown in Brashad Perriman's direction, he seemed to be on the outside. He seemed to be gliding downfield. He seemed to be in the end zone whenever you looked up and he was targeted and he was making plays. There were some plays where a toe was out of bounds. He had one of the more unlucky seasons in terms of making plays and he's been unlucky since he landed in the NFL and he had a partial tear of his PCL so where are we at with Brashad Perriman we have a wide receiver who stands 6'2 212 and he was relatively efficient last year 7.6 yards per target it's not great but it's pretty good and when he did catch the ball he caught it downfield 15.1 yards per reception this is very different than Kevin White Kevin White was fed targets in Chicago and got the bare minimum. Brashad Perriman, his snap share was below 50%, but when he was on the field, his presence was felt. Now, look at the measurables. Brashad Perriman, 43040 at 62212. This is as fast of a big receiver as we've ever seen, evidenced by the 125.7 99th percentile height adjusted speed score on playerprofiler.com. Brashad Perriman has the ability to translate this kind of athleticism into true WR1 fantasy production. I don't believe Kevin White does. I could not agree with you more. I saw Perriman in the notes. I didn't want to talk about him. That's your guy. Listen, the departure of Steve Smith, and then what you're left with, Fool's Gold, Kamar Aiken, Boomer Bust, Mike Wallace. Rashad Perriman should be the target share leader there in 2017 if the, the chips fall, and he does stay healthy. I've seen him take a couple big hits this season. He's probably a little bit beefier than guys like Robbie Anderson and will hold up, but it does concern me. He's a little bit of a guy that has been getting nicked up, so... I'm just going to say it again. If he stays healthy, Brashard Perriman should easily return. I think low-end WR2 numbers should be his floor in 2017. The PCL injury and the light usage in 2016 are the only reasons why we're going to be able to afford him. Those are the only reasons why he's even a sleeper. Because if the Ravens never signed Mike Wallace and or if Brashad Perriman never partially tore his PCL, he wouldn't be in the sleeper conversation. We would all be celebrating an incredible 2016 season. Yeah, he he showed some flashes this year. He definitely did. There were a couple of games Steve Smith was out. I thought he would do a little more. But you got to blame that somewhat on Broadway Joe Flacco, who really didn't start playing good football towards the end of the season, till towards the end of the season. So it all depends on pass volume, volume there. But now with Steve Smith gone, even with a lower pass volume, he should get a good target share. The skies are opening up. Mike Wallace signed a one-year contract last season, so the odds that he re-signs are relatively low. All signs are pointing toward a Brashad Perriman breakout in 2017, but you can draft him in fantasy football leagues after players that flashed more explosiveness in 2016 than Brashad Perriman did. More wow factor plays. Players like Tyreek Hill 
will be drafted ahead of Brashad Perriman in 2017, and I believe that's a mistake. I don't think Tyreek Hill will even be the number one wide receiver on the Chiefs. I think it's going to be Jeremy Macklin. Who do you got? Who's the number one wide receiver on the Kansas City Chiefs now? The problem with the Kansas City Chiefs are that, number one, their quarterback, that, that whole offense leaves a lot to be desired. Tyreek Hill is a great dynamic player, but he's not a size receiver. So he's got to be a gadget. He's a super Tavon Austin type of guy. And realistically, Jeremy Macklin to me is already long in the tooth in the NFL at go what going into age 29 or so season. I don't love what I saw this year. I drafted him in my NFBC team, NFFC team, and I absolutely despised him. And I thought I got him in a value slot. I could barely use the guy, and he was off the field. So what now do we have, Matt? We have an older player who isn't really healthy. When we interviewed he's on Roto- – 28, first of all. Stop oh, he's calling be him an older player. He's going to be 29. He's going to be 29. That's a little old in wide receiver terms. He's not Dwayne Bow. I think you're confusing your Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs wide receivers. He's not stopping at Sonic at 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, this well. is Jeremy Macklin. He is – by all accounts, someone who takes great care of his body and has, has been a true professional his entire career. I see no reason why he can't have a bounce back age 29 season. I interviewed Perez Taylor of the Kansas City Chiefs uh, beat reporter staff early in the preseason last year. And he said to me and Josh Hayes, quote, the offense runs through number 18. When you're another receiver on that team, you know you're not going to get that many targets. And then what happened? He said it with such confidence. Everyone should have listened. But what happened? It didn't go down that way. Not only that, but when Macklin finally came back, he wasn't the primary guy anymore. Whatever caused that, caused that, but it was obvious. So I just can't go now and say, well, he's the number one receiver on the team. He was last year. He was coming out of the 2015-16 season, but he's not right now. He was averaging close to 10 targets in the first four games before he hurt his groin. This happens. You have wide receivers that oscillate wildly year to year, and this is how you can mine value in Dynasty Leagues and any league, really. But Dynasty Leagues in particular, Jeremy Macklin is very inexpensive. So I'm drafting Jeremy Macklin even in Dynasty before Tyreek Hill because I believe you're correct. Tyreek Hill is a gadget player. Tyreek Hill looks to me like a smaller version of Corderell Patterson. You know, it basically, like you said, if you took Corderell Patterson and Tavon Austin and put them in a chamber and combined <laughs> their DNA, out would step Tyreek Hill. Now, looking at bounce back candidates, have to talk about Allen Robinson. Oh, yeah. So will Allen Robinson turn it around? And if he does, will it be because Blake Bortles has improved or because Blake Bortles is gone, is benched? Oh, a vaudevillian Kane has yanked Blake Bortles off the stage. Which one? Oh, Blake Bortles induced vomit for fantasy owners this year because he still put up some numbers a lot of games, just like he did the year before. But he didn't pass the eyeball test, Matt. It was horrific tape from this past season. And it affected every single player on that team. Now, I'm going to give him like a 5% reduction on that hot take because their offensive line was putrid. But that doesn't excuse that throwing motion and the poor decision-making that has plagued him his entire quarterbacking career. When we spoke about teams that were going to regress offensively in 2016, 
in the preseason last year, my number one team was the Jags. And I knew that that was possible. And it happened. Rastradamus has spoken. Oh, my God. No wonder. So is Allen Robinson going to return to WR1 status next season? I think he will be low-end WR1. I saw some great flashes. But I don't think you're going to see two years ago. And I don't think you're going to see last year. You're going to see somewhere in between. But I hope for more consistency. Fantasy football is all about consistency. I don't want boomer bust superstars. I want consistency. I don't want the Sean Jackson. I want Allen Robinson to be a consistent 14, 15 point a week PPR performer. That's all I need out of him. He's not going to be consistent if his quarterback is Blake Bortles. That's the bottom line. And he wasn't even that consistent in 2015. He was very much a boomer bust play. And he will be a boomer bust play until they replace the quarterback. I would rather the Jacksonville Jaguars start Chad Henney. I believe Chad Henney would be a stabilizing force for Allen Robinson. As crazy as that sounds, I still think, yes, he could be. I just can't believe I'm saying this out loud. But yes, a stabilizing force in Chad Henney. Yes. Now, I don't remember you talking about the Jaguars last year, but I'll take your word for it. But I do remember coming on your show, the SiriusXM Rotoballer Radio Show, on multiple occasions and being the analyst sitting across from you, your wingman. So tell the audience, what was it like to do a show with Matt Kelly? I'm going to use a fancy word on you kids. I studied some psychology. It was a cathartic experience every single time. It's not the kind of cathartic like when your your old dog is passing away and you got those last few months and you know and you kind of see the end coming near and you spend more time and you you cuddle and kiss him more. It was the emotion evoking experience of working with a flamboyant, super knowledgeable alpha male, alpha dog analyst personality and saying to yourself, I might have half a day off today because Matt Kelly's up in the studio with me. I could bring my D or F game, not even my C game, yes. and this show is still going to be money in the bank. Honestly, that's the way I Woo! feel about working with you, my brother. You are radio gold. I don't care who that is copying when I say it. That is what you are for fantasy sports. Wow. to put that on the scroll on playerprofiler.com. We don't have a scroll. We're at least going to put it in the outtakes for the show. That's Make- what I want to hear. You hear that, everyone? You hear that, buzzards? This guy knows what he's talking about. Eh, I'm pretty good at this. So now... <laughs> I talked. We talked earlier about maybe Dalvin Cook goes to Detroit. Maybe Leonard Fournette goes to Miami. That's not going to happen. And nukes a bunch of fantasy value. But where's the best place for them to go? Where would you like to see Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette land that would optimize the total fantasy value in the fantasy community? What's the best landing spot possible for those two running backs? This show outline forced me to start my 2017 NFL mock draft research a little early. And I'm happy I did because I think what has been reported and what you know the pundits are projecting makes a lot of sense. Starting with Dalvin Cook with the eighth pick could end up being a Carolina Panther. Yes. I could really, really see that. They have a need with an aging guy who does have a bit of an injury history, and it makes a ton of sense. I actually think what makes even more sense, and I'll say it for the third time this show, is that Fournette will be a New York Jet in a perfect rebuilding situation with a perfect back 
Yeah. A, a perfect back for that for that offense. The way the Jets play football, Leonard Fournette looks like the chupacabra of running backs for them right now. That would be a great spot for him. What about Dalvin Cook? Like I said, it doesn't make sense for me to think he's going to slip much beyond the, the early first round. So there are only a few teams that really have that potential. Matt, is there any better spot than what I just said than than um, Carolina? Because for me, when I read that, and I've read it on multiple sites now, and that's what the pundits who are way better at draft projections than I am, you know, you have all the other positions they're projecting in. I see that, and I'm like, hmm, that makes a lot of sense. Jonathan Stewart reminds me of Arian Foster in one way, in that they've experienced a series of lower body injuries throughout their career. It's just that Jonathan Stewart was an incredible size-adjusted athlete just in terms of workout metrics. Arian Foster was the opposite, slow, lacked burst, didn't have measurable lateral agility, even though he did display a niftiness on the field. But the one similarity both Jonathan Stewart and Arian Foster have is that they've missed a lot of time with groin injuries, quad injuries, hamstring injuries. And I think that that takes a toll. We have an injury history section on playerprofiler.com. If you scroll down to the medical history, you can see the full medical history on Jonathan Stewart. And it's terrifying. Then you look (laughs) at the efficiency, you see the 3.9 yards per touch bottom 10 in the NFL among running backs with more than 50 carries it's scary to think that a running back is turning 30 with that kind of efficiency the Carolina Panthers see this they know they need a better run game to protect Cam Newton and it makes perfect sense that the Jets and the Panthers would be the two candidates the two best candidates the two best landing spots for Fournette and Cook what about the two highest profile wide receiver prospects, Mike Williams and Corey Davis. What's the optimal landing spot for those two players? So I was salivating at the reports recently that we had, first of all, all these random retirements at quarterback, Big Ben, but then I see Carson Palmer. I'm like, oh. Big Ben retired? Makes- no, well, they, they he, he. What? He, he threatened. He threatened. They're confident. He said he may. He may consider retirement, which is like saying I may consider trying to get drunk on Saturday night. But realistically speaking, Mike Williams, if and when he ends up on the Cardinals, Fitzgerald, whether he comes back this year or not, this is a six foot three, big bodied, athletic freak who would be perfect for Bruce Arians. You cannot picture a better player going into that offense. I actually think it would be great if they had another year of Carson Palmer and they drafted Williams and let him learn from Fitzgerald. But I really see that. And again, pundits are projecting that as a very strong possibility. And so for me, it makes a lot of sense, man. When you're that kind of a player, you can fit in in a lot of places. But when you go to a high-end coaching staff, a good organization, it just takes your abilities to a different level as a rookie. That would nuke my Jerron Brown deep, deep, <laughs> deep, 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 deep sleeper prediction. Oof. I Sorry. have a vested interest in Jerron Brown having an opportunity to break into the starting lineup. And if the Arizona Cardinals draft Mike Williams, that dream would officially end. And it would make sense. It would just be perfect. It would be so apropos. 
that throughout a cursed career that Jerron Brown has led, going all the way back to his time at Clemson when he was stuck behind Martavis Bryant, DeAndre Hopkins, Sammy Watkins, for him to finally have an opportunity to ascend and become a starting wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals, only to be supplanted by number one pick, former Clemson wide receiver Mike Williams. That would just be perfect. I mean, you could just see Jerron Brown for the rest of his life in the mall, walking down the street, just looking at the ground, muttering to himself about the situations he's found himself in on these depth charts that only the best of the best wide receiver could possibly climb what about Corey davis though where do you want him to go uh this one i don't know if it's as popular of an opinion but i'm kind of feeling the prospects of this happening vincent jackson a storied nfl career very high-end big-bodied receiver for a lot of years although injury plagued and a bit creaky of late Corey davis six foot two can we see him alongside the number one fantasy producer at wide receiver in 2017? I think the answer is very possibly yes. Corey Davis could end up in Tampa Bay, graded as the number two wide receiver coming out right now by NFL.com. Any chance, any chance. Am I hurting your am I hurting your emotions and feelings here? No, you don't understand the question. The what? question is where can Corey Davis go that would do the least damage to existing <laughs> fantasy assets and still give him the best opportunity to succeed and score lots of fantasy points? It's not going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They already have Mike Evans. That would well, be horrible. Why would well, you say that? Can I be really God honest? Damn I, it. I, I love Mike Evans and your boy Nathan took Mike Evans with the number one overall pick in the Roto Baller Expert redraft mock the other day. I think it's a little bit apropos. I respect that. Well, he's a Tampa guy. He's got to do it. But you can't do that, though. I mean, you can't. He's got to take Beckham there or Antonio Brown or a running back. Come on. Or running back, right? Like, God forbid you should take a real running back, right? Which is happening. Top three. We'll get to that later, I think. What 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 I'm trying to say is Vincent Jackson was supposed to be an important part of this offense. It never metastasized. That team would be better. Would Mike Evans be better? No. But would that team be the better? The word is materialized. Do you know what metastasized yes, means? Can- that means for a, the ability for a cancer to grow. <laughs> <laughs> I, you don't I, want a cancer to grow. That would defeat the premise of the question. I'm asking you for best case scenario, how to improve the fantasy output of as many teams as possible and as many players as possible. If you add a cancer, that does the opposite. It has the opposite effect. Let's put it this way. It's not going to help fantasy owners, but it's a real possibility. Scouts are targeting him from Tampa, and if he goes there, it's not going to affect him or, or it's just not going to be the worst situation. When you have two dominant wide receivers in, a, in an offense that has a young quarterback who likes to pass, there is enough to go around, more than enough to go around. And considering they have very little at the running back's position right now, healthy and not in rehab, to me, it makes a lot of sense for them to fortify what they should be doing best. Add to that Mike Evans train, add to that ability to make their quarterback. Right, I'm cutting you off. I'm cutting props. you off. No, here's the answer. The Green Bay Packers. Oh, come Can on. Can you imagine Corey Davis on the Green Bay Packers? Jordy Nelson's 31 years old, and he looks slow by the eye. I mean, just I don't like the eye test, but anyone that watches games 
sees that Jordy Nelson is one of the slowest wide receivers in the NFL. Randall Cobb is a free agent. They may not re-sign him. And Devontae Adams was the least efficient wide receiver to get huge volume and score double-digit touchdowns last season. For all involved, it would be a tremendous occurrence if Corey Davis could find his way onto the Green Bay Packers roster it would improve Aaron Rodgers fantasy stock Corey Davis's fantasy stock would rise incredibly he could be the number one pick in rookie drafts if he were to land on the Packers if not the number one pick the number two or three pick very much be in his range of outcomes everyone wins if Corey Davis goes to the Green Bay Packers Everyone in life wins if they end up on the Green Bay Packers. Well, it's possible because he went to Central Michigan. I know you're saying he's an elite prospect. There's no way he's going to fall into the late first round. But we know how NFL scouts grade players. They discount the players from small schools. It happens every year. But he was dominant, man. 44 touchdowns. I mean, it's ridiculous. Now, he did have some minor ankle surgery. Look, I agree with you. What happened to your boy Jeff Janis? Isn't that going to nuke your... Your hot takes and your prospects of him blowing up? All right. Why did I hit a that? Why do you got to say that? Why oh, do you have to bring up Jeff Janis in a negative way? That's not it. We celebrate Jeff Janis here. We kneel at the altar of Jeff Janis. We don't use him as counter arguments against a Corey Davis landing spot. I love how you compared Vincent Jackson and Corey Davis. I thought that was an incredible comparison because Vincent Jackson was one of the most prolific non-Division one wide receivers in the history of college sports in his time at Northern Colorado. But even though he put up mind-boggling statistics, a 70% dominator rating. It's the best dominator rating I've ever seen. 70% of all receiving yards and touchdowns at Northern Colorado in his final year went to Vincent Jackson. We may never see that number posted in college sports ever again. And yet, and yet, was drafted in the late second round. That could happen to Corey Davis, and that would allow him to go to the Green Bay Packers, which would be best case scenario. Yeah, that would be majestic. Like I said, any wide receiver coming out of college, especially a guy who has that kind of skill set, it would be a dream come true. I also think, just to to touch on that again, Ty Montgomery, depending on what happens in the draft and free agency, Ty Montgomery may transition back into being more of a wide receiver. No. So I don't think he should be, by the way. I think he should be the starting running back for that team next year. I'm I'm just playing hypothetical. He's not a wide receiver. Okay. Listen, you're right. He's built to be a running back. He's a running back. He's built to be David Johnson Jr., but let's not talk about that He's a running back. He's he's a running back. They've acknowledged it, and they've said in the offseason that he's going to train with the running backs. He's a running back. Case closed. I actually think he is a good running back and one of the great values. I think that Ty Montgomery, assuming the Green Bay Packers don't draft a Leonard Fournette or a Dalvin Cook or a Mixon, I think that Ty Montgomery could be one of the primary zero RB targets for me in 2017, similar to Theo Riddick last season, getting him in round 10-11. I can see that for Ty Montgomery this year. Now, let's talk about the most fraudulent wide receiver, a wide receiver who is good in fantasy and bad in real life. This only occurred to me because we talked about Devontae Adams. So if mine is Devontae Adams, who's yours? 
Oh man, I know I'm gonna piss you off right now, but I just don't. I, maybe I won't, but I don't care. I don't care who I piss off. Okay, I begged and pleaded with the listening audience to not draft DeAndre Hopkins in the early to mid first round. He is not. Watch him play, guys. He's not that dominant. He's not bodying any secondary players. He is just a target volume receiver. And once you have a shit quarterback, target volume matters for poop. It matters nothing because you're not going to win. And on that note, I'm sick and tired of Doug Baldwin truthers. Get away from me. Leave me alone. Both of those guys are in the NFL. They're both primary receivers on their team. And for various reasons, I think they are not worth their value in fantasy. Not even close. Uh, wow. Okay, so I didn't expect you to say DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I know you didn't. Was good in fantasy, bad in real life, and then it wasn't enough that you gave us DeAndre Hopkins, which lit my entire computer system on fire. You followed it up with Doug Baldwin. Now, Doug Baldwin's interesting because Doug Baldwin is a slot receiver, and he just happens to be the best of a bunch of little receivers. So the argument that Doug Baldwin is not what he seems, not what his statistics say he is, is that if somehow, some way, the Seattle Seahawks acquire a true X receiver on the outside, someone that plays like Des Bryant, Corey Davis, for example, Mike Williams, then all of a sudden you would see the target volume shift away from Doug Baldwin and toward more of an alpha dog wide receiver. And I think that's your argument that Doug Baldwin is not your alpha dog wide receiver. He's just been the guy getting targets because they haven't had one for so many years. Correct. And he did finish in standard leagues as the 10th wide receiver scoring wise. And it's just it seems like an impossibility that this is going to continue for me. He did play in 16 games. There's a lot of factors contributing to that. It should be a mystery to everyone why Doug Baldwin is worth as much as he is in fantasy. Now, the reason I brought up the beleaguered DeAndre Hopkins, who had a terrible season, was because You're when you doubling down on DeAndre Hopkins, please continue. When you combine the hype that he came out, dude, he was a first round pick. That stupid hype is still contributing to the fact that people think he's a good wide receiver. And everyone who owns him in Dynasty, even though they cringed and they lost their league because of him, they still think he's going to be back and be dominant next year. Okay? And he's not. That's it. He's a pedestrian now. Glad that uh, the hot take machine was uh, firing on all cylinders today for you. Best case scenario! Ty Montgomery may transition back into being more of a wide receiver. No. So, I don't think he should be, by the way. I think he should be the starting running back for He's that team next back. year. I, I, I'm, hey, I'm just playing hypothetical. He's not a wide you. receiver. Okay. Listen, you're right. He's built to be a running back. He's a running back. And I agree with you. I've never owned Gronkowski. Me either. I would consider the Vodka Centaur as a buy in the fifth round next year. I would. I want it. I mean, I'd love to have him. Who wouldn't want to have a Centaur? I mean, the guy (laughs) has four horse legs, 
so he's strong as a horse, but he also has a human upper body and torso, and he's an archer, so he could shoot arrows in all directions. If he was a Rambo archer, he would have grenade-tipped arrows. I mean, this is an exciting athlete. This is who I want on my team. Just not the fucking first round! Look at your sexy ass. Oh, there you are. There you are. The legend. Oh, man. I'm going to push a nerve or two here. And I don't give two S's. All right? And I'm just going to say two things right Wait, now. What is two S's? What is that? All right. Mean? Well, first, I don't give two shits. If yes, if we can curse. I can do whatever I want. Playerprofiler.com. I own the website. I run the <laughs> podcast. I do all of this so we can say whatever fucking words come to our fucking minds at any fucking oh. time. So no more S's. That's offensive to me. Say shit. So I was salivating at the reports recently that we had, first of all, all these random retirements at quarterback Big Ben. But then I see Carson Palmer. I'm like, oh, Big Ben retired. A lot of people love a lot of people, but I have listened to a lot of your pods and I expect to have a very light workload. I'd say like six to 10 percent max of the uh, talking time, which is fine with me. Be the better. word is materialized. Do you know what metastasize yes, means? The that means the, for, uh, the ability for a cancer to grow. <laughs> I, you don't I, want a cancer to grow. That would defeat the premise of the question. I'm asking you for best case scenario, how to improve the fantasy output of as many teams as possible and as many players as possible. If you add a cancer... That does the opposite. It has the opposite effect. That's the way I feel Woo! about working with you, my brother. You are radio gold. I don't care who that is copying when I say it. That is what you are for fantasy sports. A vaudevillian cane has yanked Blake Bortles off the stage. I would rather the Jacksonville Jaguars start Chad Henney. I believe Chad Henney would be a stabilizing force for Allen Robinson. As crazy as that sounds, it's, I still think... Yes, he could be. A sta I just can't believe I'm saying this out loud. But yes, a stabilizing force in Chad Henney. Yes. Blaine Gabbert comp on Blake Bortles is majestic on Player Profile. <laughs> when I open up the podcast software, I can see all the bars for all uh, the audio. Uh, and it's always jarring to me because I always feel like the guest talks more than I do. <laughs> in the moment when it's happening. Because I just sort of black out when I start talking. But then I look at the software and I'm, whoa, how did I talk more than him? That can't be right, but it was there. But then when I saw Christopher Harris, his audio bars were like, wow, dominated mine because wow, he's a talker. Woo! Did, did, you, did you have to chop him out a little bit or you let him go? You no, just let, let him go. go. I let him go. You to, and I have done a couple of live shows together. I don't. I feel like honestly, I, I like hearing you talk more than I even like hearing myself talk. That's very rare. So, that's a big compliment. That's going to end up in the outtakes. First, started listening to your pods. I, I was fucking dying when I when I heard all the out, outtakes, especially the ones with Nathan. I mean, where he's just like, eh, he's like being all weird, and you catch him. It's like, oh, it's fucking priceless. <laughs> <laughs> One of the mechanics always... behind doing a great podcast. I asked him if he read the show sheet, and he said, No, I didn't read the show sheet, but I can pretty much handle whatever you ask. It's arrogant only because you're not bringing your A-game if you didn't at least... Whatever you say, whatever you want to talk about, I'm good. I'm you... totally good with anything you say. 
it struck me as like, holy shit, that is Reggie Wayne. You can't make Nostradamus work that well with too many names, but I have the Raph. So I was like, Raph plus Nostradamus, Raphstradamus. That's a good spin. <laughs> I understand the Rotoballer PR department gave you that line. Raphstradamus has spoken! Oh my there god, no wonder! If the Detroit Lions draft Dalvin Cook, that would double nuke two important key fantasy assets in both redraft and dynasty. That could do the most damage. Dalvin Cook going to Detroit could have the most collateral fantasy damage because you still have people that are also Zach Zenner truthers out there. Oh, this please. would be just, it would be a holocaust of fantasy value if Dalvin Cook went to Detroit. There you are. The legend. A lot of people love a lot of people. We Pop want psychology is not going to get you out of this. I think Wendell Smallwood's in big trouble. He was a Jesus a, a, Christ. That doesn't count. No one even knows who talk, Wendell Smallwood is. Talk I'm to talking people in about Philadelphia. someone like Jay Ajayi. Okay. If Jay you talk, Ajayi isn't yeah. safe, Raph. He's Kenyon not. Drake. Kenyon Drake is coming. And you know what it is? My my. No, I'm not talking about Kenyon Drake. I'm Damian Williams? about them drafting Leonard Fournette. There you are. The legend. This was the seventh overall pick a couple years yeah. ago. This is all you need to know about Kevin White. And now on a fantasy football podcast, he's in the you never know sleeper category. <laughs> it's grotesque. After Cody Core. No, let's talk about Cody Core first. And if we make, if we have time... Then we'll talk about Kevin White. It's disgusting. <laughs> Kevin White, he's a bust. I like hearing you talk more than I even like hearing myself talk. That's very rare. So, The reason I brought up the beleaguered DeAndre Hopkins, who had a terrible season, was because You're when doubling you down on DeAndre Hopkins, please continue. When you combine the hype that he came out, dude, he was a first-round pick. That stupid hype is still contributing to the fact that people think he's a good wide receiver. And everyone who owns him in Dynasty, even though they cringed and they lost their league because of him, they still think he's going to be back and be dominant next year. Okay? And he's not. That's it. He's a pedestrian now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm for sorry. you. I'm sorry for your mentions. Talk about fading someone and getting it right. Whatever the reason is, I got it right. There you are. The legend. <laughs>